this is the Business's Mission podcast. Business's Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. I came across the very uncomfortable awareness that all of my ideas, my basic understanding of Christianity, of how it operates, of my role in it, were wrong. In this podcast series, we want to discover kingdom keys for business. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill is an experienced BAM practitioner. By the way, BAM is short for business as mission. Bill is from the US and lived 30 years in China, where he had handicraft factories. He saw God move tangibly in the workspace. We met at our BAM Congress in the Netherlands. Bill was one of the main speakers and he turned out to be so contagious. His stories made me curious and I wondered, does that only happen far away or can God move as tangibly here, within and through businesses in the Netherlands? or at your business in Africa, America, or Asia. In this podcast series, I'll interview Bill. At other times, he will be my co-host, as we invited guests who are eager to see God move within their own businesses. So listen, as we discuss ideas, experiences, and challenges. They might be yours as well. If this podcast makes you curious and you want to dig deeper, go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid training and coaching environment, which we are developing. Today, in our search for Kingdom Keys for Business, Bill and I will talk with Mats Toonhaak. Mats initiated 20 years ago the start of the global business as mission movement. Mats is from Sweden and he is here in the Netherlands today. It's good to see you, Mats. Welcome. Thank you. Always good to see you both. Welcome, Bill. You will be my co-host today, so I expect some good questions from you. <laughs> well, I hope we think of something good, but I'm just really honored to be here. I can't tell you how excited I am to be with one of my um, heroes in the BAM movement, Mats. Well, there are two business as mission um, experts in this room, so... Um, Really good to talk with you, Mats. Uh, can you share a little bit for our listeners what is business's mission? When we talk about business's mission, BAM, we are referring to three different things. One, it is the concept, a biblical concept deeply rooted in our Judeo-Christian uh, tradition of what does it mean to be created in God's image, to be creative also in the business world. And that concept is looking at what are biblical themes and values and how does that apply to us in the marketplace. Part of the BAM concept is we're looking at a business from a great commission perspective as well. A, a global outlook where we also want to glorify God in everything we do in all the relationships in business. So it's a, it's a concept. Then secondly, it's, it's also a practice. So now thousands of business people have taken this concept and there's not a cookie-cutter approach, but they're walking with God and with others. And what does that mean as I do my business in my industry, in my country, uh, my way, in, in my context? So it's being practiced by many business people, but also embraced by 
churches, mission agencies, NGOs, and, uh, and universities, and other academic institutions. And thirdly, BAM is also a, a movement, a global movement uh, today of, of many initiatives in different countries, speaking different languages, doing different kinds of initiatives, but there are leaders in business, leaders in church, leaders in mission organizations, and leaders in academia that in their respective contexts are, are practicing, embracing, applying the concept and connecting with others. So it's not just business people, but it is an ecosystem of leaders across the globe who are saying, we want to make a difference with God and for people and nations as we do business. And how do we do it? that uh, to the best of our ability with God's help. So that is business as mission, a concept, a practice, and a global movement. Well, we like to hear more also later about the global movement. I mean, you are very involved and have been traveling the world, and so it's an opportunity to get a global overview. But I think I am and our listeners are curious, who is Mats? Um, Bill, you have met Mats before. Can you give a little introduction from your perspective? I don't think there's anybody in the world that knows more about what is happening around the world in the BAM field. He's better connected. He's more informed. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's been at it before it existed. So when BAM was just an idea, basically, in some people's minds that God was beginning to brew it up. He was already connecting the dots and seeing how it worked. And so when people began to sort of organize simply by meeting each other and realizing they were in the same adventure, then Mots was already in place to begin to network these people together into larger and larger groups and actually direct the formation of the heart of and definition of what BAM is. Let me just offer one more little uh, con concept to help our listeners understand just our relate our perspective. So if you looked at what my contribution was from like a satellite image of the earth, you would have to zero down to a teeny tiny little dot in our city in China, literally a couple of thousand square meters of space. That was my domain. Mazda's domain is the entire world. And so he has so much to offer our hearers from that global perspective. And so we really look forward to the rest of this podcast. We should have more podcasts with you, Mats, but you are here for a day and a busy schedule. But we are curious. Um, 28 years ago, you started. Uh, what, made, what made it that you saw this, that you saw the the potential of business's mission or this idea. Help us understand who are you? <laughs> What made you tick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an entrepreneur, I guess, and I, I go for needs and gaps. And I always been asking, you know, not just what can I do, but what, uh, what can we do? What else can we bring in, uh, in in terms of people and other resources to make a dent for whatever need there, there is? So my journey into business as mission started in the Soviet Union, which existed up till December 91. 
And of course, the Soviet Union um, was a communist country, centrally planned economy. Everybody had an employment. Everybody went to work, not necessarily meaningful. There was no consumer goods, but there was some basic necessities of life provided through that for, for people. <clears throat> During that time... Were you living there? I wasn't living there, but I was traveling and working in the region, and I was heading up an organization that worked in, in the communist bloc. So I was involved from Albania to Mongolia and everything in between, and, and also China. And and Soviet Union, of course, was was a part of part of that. And so we were doing uh, you know Christian work in, in various ways, and there weren't many back in the Soviet days who did work in Central Asia, in the, the Soviet Central Asian republics. But then, of course, in uh, December 91, things changed radically. Uh, Soviet Union imploded. And with that implosion came one country, became 15 countries. And one centrally planned uh, economy um, this was dysfunctional, became 15 national economies that had to adjust to global marketplace realities. And in Soviet days, the unemployment rate was 0%. But then within a few years, and especially in, in some Central Asian countries, unemployment and underemployment rate went from 0 to 30 to 50 to 70%. And with those kinds of, of numbers comes all kinds of social problems and dysfunctions and labor migration, um, human trafficking, and just unimaginable uh, kind of, of, of problems. And uh, during that time, I've also started some global consultations of bringing in um, Christian workers of different kinds from all over the globe to work together in the region. Um, but none of them were equipped to deal with this issue, unemployment, you know, need for job creation, starting businesses. So I spent a couple of years, you know, starting in the mid-90s, having conversations with people in Central Asia, in the Stans, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and those countries, and with Christians in business and Christian business organizations around the globe, what would it take for us to do something to tackle this very thing? The, the mafia came in and started business. The oligarchs came in and did their business, but that was not good. You know, what can we do based on, on good values, Christian values to do? So, make a long story short, we started the first annual ongoing international consultation on business as mission in Central Asia. We ran it for 10 years and we started to learn a little bit, how do you make a difference in and through business uh, uh, <coughs> with a great commission Perspective, And then I got invitations to other countries and continents. Can you come and help us set up similar processes? And what is this that is emerging? What are you doing in Central Asia? Um, and then I was thinking, well, it seems like God is doing things. Because as I was traveling around the globe, I met Christians in business who had intuitively and, and told by God also, go into business, try to make a difference. But... They had never been affirmed or by their pastor. They, they felt very lonely. And I've started to note these sort of disconnected dots, but very few dots. But there were some dots of Christians in business around the world who wanted to make a great commission difference and serve people and nations through business. I thought, well, what if we start 
a global think tank uh, on what we see emerging and look into this whole thing that started to be called business as mission around that time. Uh, you know, what is a biblical foundation? What can we learn from history? Um, what can we learn from the economy and 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 what was happening around the globe and what are some case studies of Christians in business and what does it mean in a great commission perspective. So with 2002, I initiated the first global think tank on this um, business as mission thing. And then it just kept growing and growing. And I was just going with God and having fun because I didn't really plan to do this, but I just went along. <laughs> So, can you give an overview from the global perspective? What is happening and what do you see like 20 years ago? What happened then, the start? And mm -hmm. what do you see in evolving? Yeah, so 20, 20 years ago, um, there, there were some initiatives, but nothing was connected. There was not a, a global movement of initiatives You speaking the same language, using the same concept and connecting and collaborating. Uh, but there were initiatives. And of course, Bill was out there in China and he was already doing it. And there were others like Bill. Um, but if we go back 20, 25 years, you know, we can talk about businesses in the dozens that had this kind of intentionality of uh, I'm doing business for God and for the common good, including a great commission perspective. Uh, when we talk, go back 25 or so years years ago, there was not a mission agencies or NGOs that was thinking, bam. Um, and universities didn't teach this, churches and denominations didn't even know what we're talking about. Because now, if we jump 25 years Indeed, now, there are universities, right, who teach, now, have 25, them 25 years later, we can talk about BAM businesses in the tens of thousands, you know, from dozens to tens of thousands. Initially, many of them 20 years ago or so were micro-size. Now they're small, medium, and large size coming up. 20, now we see um, universities, there are many universities and business schools, MBA programs around the globe that teach business as mission. There are lots of dozens and dozens of PhD theses on business as mission in different languages from different continents, countless of master theses, even from secular universities like London School of Economics have done a master thesis on business as mission in the Middle East because they see it as a global phenomena, something is happening. Uh, today, Basically, all of the biggest and oldest mission agencies in the evangelical world have embraced business as mission. Uh, today, there are churches and denominations and big denominations with thousands of workers around the globe that has business as mission as part of, of their agenda. So we've seen tremendous growth. And when we started this conversation about 20 or so years ago, 25 years ago, We talked in English. Now, BAM operates in over 20 languages around the globe. Bill? I would like for our audience to know 
one of the contributions that Mott's has made to this movement that is extremely valuable and hasn't come up yet in the conversation. It has to do with the creation of a relatively large document and then a summary of that document, which, as I hear him speak, seems to be the thread that is being strung through all of these different organizations, networks, groups of people, individuals. But it's becoming a common thread that gives them that vocabulary and that definition. Mats, could you say something about that process and what it resulted in? Yeah, the um, a movement, whether we talk about the abolitionist movement or the civil rights movement or the anti-apartheid movement or suffragette movement and movements, sociologically speaking, is many initiatives and organizations that are independent and interdependent, but they have adopted the same mission end slavery or equal rights races, and then they have the same values. And then, so they can speak the same conceptual language because they have the same mission and values, and that has, then they are able to both communicate and collaborate. Because there's not a national organization. There's not a head office, kind of. No, and movements don't have... An HQ, <laughs> and head, a headquarters, a brick and mortar. Um, uh, they usually have some leaders, and there's also something called SMO, Societal Movement Organization, uh, which could be an organization or a group of people who help develop a common language and facilitate communication and collaboration. So that's what we did in 2002 bill referring to because that's when I felt we need to create a common language um, so we talk not English but a conceptual language we talk about the same thing and Bill you've been in manufacturing so you know so if somebody places an order uh, with you you need to make sure you're talking about the same uh, measurement system for example are you talking about inches or you're talking about centimeters or 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 whatever it is. You just need to decide that. Otherwise, you can't manufacture and and do the things that the people want. So to create a common language, we talk about the same thing. That's when we then created the, the first global think tank in 2002. Um, and at that point, we had about 75, 80 people uh, from all continents. Uh, Two-thirds were business people, but there were also leaders from church, academia, mission agency, and and from uh, and lawyers. So we looked at what is this business as mission thing from different aspects, and we did dozens and dozens of papers and case studies. And then we actually met in a room, 75 people for a whole week in Thailand, and we co-wrote these paper chapter by chapter, day by day, which created this common understanding across the globe. This is what we're talking about. And towards the end of that consultation, I realized this paper is going to be like 75 papers, 75 pages. Most people won't read 75 pages. So we need a summary. So I drafted a summary of all our papers and conversations that have gone on for a year and a half in a one-page document, and I said, this is going to be the BAM manifesto. And we worked through that together, so we all agreed, this is the summary of, of this. And that quickly then became translated into many languages across the globe, and that has created that, that common language, because you cannot have a movement unless you have a common language, because without a common language, 
what you're talking about, the concepts, you can't communicate. And if you can't communicate, you can't collaborate. And, and a movement always has communication and collaboration. But that presupposes that you have a foundational conceptual basis that you agree upon. And that's what this document has helped us to, to do. Well, Bill, we'll make sure that it is uh, up on our website, right? On the bearmoves.com website. Uh, but from your perspective here, you, you shared that you were in this little square, a um, couple of kilometers uh, in China, but you have been involved in this global movement. From your perspective, what have you seen? What has it meant for you? Probably the most common experience is the encouragement that you get when you realize that this is happening beyond people planning it. That like us, there's people all over the world who believe that the the God of the world, the creator of the universe, actually has his plan. So he's a big believer in business's mission because he sent these businessmen in all kinds of different locations and countries to develop a business and bring to society all the benefit that business does to create earnings, to create uh, the ability to improve their lives and in our what we began to realize is we get to demonstrate the gospel rather than merely talk about it, which is a very, I didn't have that class in seminary, so it's a very different challenging thing. But when you see it happening in Asia and Africa, South America, you realize, oh, I'm, I just jumped onto a train that is really developing some momentum and it's going someplace and we're going there together. And it really is an incredibly encouraging experience. Well, I can testify myself. It was 12 years ago that I read, uh, when I studied with uh, uh, Bucky Graduate University, Neil Johnson's book on business's mission, and it made, it caught me. And it's like one of these things that you're like, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but it made so much sense. And then for years I was like, something needs to be communicated uh, about this. And then 10 years ago, I think it was that we met uh, Mats and it um, turned out that we started writing some books together, mm -hmm. like BAM Global Movement. Um, so a little PR for our book. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> But um, what, what do you see at this time? What is on your heart for the coming years? Well, it is very encouraging to see how God has connected the dots and the BAM Manifesto and the Wealth Creation Manifestos helped us to talk to each other and, and work with each other. And it's, it's springing up and, and BAM initiatives of various kinds in the whole ecosystem is, is now on, on every continent. It is really blossoming. And it's also the strength of, of the movement. Uh, a movement, per definition, is beyond anybody's Uh, persons or organizations control. It's, it's always bigger than that. But for a movement to continue to be an effective movement and make a difference, they need to stay mission true, avoid mission drift, <laughs> which uh, we're all prone to, to do, whether it's churches or organizations and all Can that. you explain Mission, mission drift? drift? Yeah, mission drift doesn't have to be bad, but um, it can be. It could happen to university or to a church or to an organization or a business and that is you're, you're 
you're changing your mission. Uh, you, you had a, a particular mission statement or something that you wanted to do. And then that mission, that sense of purpose, your objectives are, are lost. Um, and the thing is that no one ever plans for mission drift. Uh, it happened because you're not aware of that uh, things are changing. And, and the two most common causes to mission drift is that people are coming in that are not familiar with the mission and, and the values, or they don't embrace them fully, and they come into a, a leadership position on board or as an investor or in management team, and they slightly change. Uh, and the second factor that often causes uh, groups to, to drift, like Harvard University or so forth, doesn't mean they become bad. It just be, means they become different, right? It can be bad, but not necessarily. Is that money comes in and the money has string attached and they go in, in a different way. So, and that's why it's so important, especially for a movement where nobody has executive power or control. It's all relational based that we continue to remind each other, you know, whether it's BAM, Brazil, or Southern Africa, or Nigeria, or Mongolia, or Kyrgyzstan, or where, wherever it is, that we stay true to our, our mission. Otherwise, mission drift may happen, or then, then we lose the plot. Do you see some things that you say, hey, we need to really give attention to this area or to that area globally or... Is there some areas? Um, in general, regarding mission drift? Um, mission drift and um, regarding the BAM movement. The BAM movement is still very young. Uh, and the, But we are coming in, uh, in some areas of the movement, into a second generation. And that's, that's welcome. And that's very, very encouraging. Uh, but we also know that from... Uh, companies in general that uh, for any company to go from a first generation or business to a second generation is is tricky and quite a few fail um, and uh, I, I like the word continuity planning more than succession planning because succession planning could means just hand over a baton but continuity planning implies that you continuously immerse your company or your university or your church in the BAM thinking every day, every year, every new staff person, every new board member. Um, so we continue to be an effective movement. And why is that especially important for BAM? Well, BAM is doing something that is nobody's default mode. And by that I mean, basically no human being has as a default mode to leave your country, leave your family, leave your language and go somewhere else where things are new to you. That's nobody's default mode. <laughs> and in Bible language, you know, we talk about uh, taking the gospel, serving God among people from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Jerusalem is always the default mode uh, for all of us. And here's the thing with the default mode. 
you never have to encourage default because default is default by default. Default is default by default. Now, the BAM movement is saying, hey, Jerusalem is great. Do business with Gaudium people in your home country. Good, do it. But then we have all these countries where there are big problems with unemployment, with air pollution, uh, with human trafficking, uh, huge uh, un youth unemployment and demographic changes. And these are also often areas where the name of Jesus is rarely heard. And it's really never anybody's default mode to think, I'm going to do business there. Because those are also the countries where it often is variables are wrong in terms of corruption index, ease of doing business index, and all these kinds of stuff. So for the BAM movement, we need to constantly say, hey, don't forget doing business to the ends of, of the earth. And that's important for the BAM movement. And that's part of saying mission true. Because if we don't keep pushing that, default mode will kick in. And default mode means we're back home where it's all safe and nice, which is not wrong, but that's not our mission. Okay, <laughs> we hear your passion, uh, Mats. In closing, uh, Bill, what would you like to add to this? You've been going out of your comfort mode into the needy or a, a place what is not familiar. Would you encourage your listeners to do that? Would you do it again? <laughs> If I was given the instruction to go, I'd do it again in a minute. So one of the common threads I'm hearing and what Mats has been saying during our podcast is that all of this activity is really rooted in the mind of Jesus Christ. He wants this to happen. So he gave me the instruction to go. I heard it in 1972, couldn't go until 87, but it was clear. It was an instruction. So I would love to encourage our listeners to ask the Lord, is there any instruction in the BAM realm that you want to give to me? Because that's probably the purest origin of these assignments, that they come from Him. And when we shut ourselves off from Him because we're comfortable and we don't want our comfort to be messed with, we'll set up these protections. We know that talking to Jesus, or more importantly, listening to Him, can be risky, <laughs> but we've already laid our life down. The scripture says you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So we actually already belong to him, and that needs to be more than a theory. So if that's a reality in our life and the church at large opens itself up to Jesus' instruction, they will be sent to the entire world, to the difficult places, to the hard places, to where the poor are, where the rescuing needs to happen. And he will just be initiating as he has in our lives. Well, thank you both for joining us on today's podcast. So listeners, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thank you much for being here and sharing with us. This was another episode of Kingdom Keys for Business, Life and Work. As mentioned, we developed a course for you, in which Bill shares more insights how he learned to partner with God. He has a way of making spiritual insights usable and practical, of making the extraordinary, the spiritual, tangible and applicable in daily life, at work, in business. 
he does so in a joy-filled, engaging way. Down to earth, to the point. So take a look at bearmoves.com. I very much enjoyed developing the material with him. And I predict you will enjoy taking this course and get some really good insights. Well, don't forget to follow us in your favorite podcast app. Don't miss the next one. We have more interesting material in store for you.